The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. Science Division, trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Yuletide Cheer Office at Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Season's greetings to you, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and here we are for episode number 243. And what a great time to be a Star Trek fan. You know, we get to watch all kinds of new Star Trek and old Star Trek, and today we're going to revisit an episode that is pretty great, we're not going to lie, as a part of our Voyager 25 celebration. Of course, by we, I do mean my co-host and I, it's not a well-known fact, but my co-host auditioned for the movie Elf, as an elf, wearing the costume of an elf, and as you can imagine, it didn't exactly fit. Yeah. He is the largely mirthful and merry Dan Davidson. Dan, happy holidays, buddy. Merry Christmas. Sorry, wrong set. I'm sorry. Hi, it's good to be here. What are you doing? (laughs) Just throwing a little Trek news music in there. Has your eggnog been spiked? Oh, God. I made an eggnog martini just the other night, actually. It was fantastic. It was beautiful. I I recommend it highly. I don't really like eggnog. Oh, I'm not a big eggnog fan either, but I do love eggnog cookies that my wife makes, and I like this eggnog martini that I made. It was quite good. But I haven't had anything to drink yet. I'm just happy. I'm happy to be here with you. Happy to be talking on episode 243 of the Trek Geeks podcast, and and Christmas is is just days away as we record, and... um, Even though 2020 has really sucked, there's a lot of things to be happy about, and uh, I'm very happy today. There really is. I mean, we've we've done our best to try to just celebrate everything that is Trek and fandom this year, because it's given us something to to hold on to, and I think that's really what's been important about 2020 for us and and for the the amazing folks who listen to Trek Geeks. Uh, We want to take a moment to thank everybody who downloads and listens to us. On a, on a weekly basis. I want to thank all of the new people who have discovered Trek Geeks this year and all the people who've been with us since day one and everyone in between. Because if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be here. Um, that's really what's important this year. So yeah. um, thank you to everyone. We hope you all have happy holidays. And today we're going to celebrate by talking about, Dan, one of, 
one of the the finales for one of the series and one of the best finales and some may argue the best finale that we have seen uh so far in star trek i would say and we will get into what we think personally about it as we discuss um and wrap up kind of at least our voyager 25 celebration because it will continue in voyager 26 in 2021 because voyager kind of got the shaft with the covid and pandemic and all that garbage um so today uh as we get ready to break for the holidays we're taking a look at the finale End game, parts one, part two, all rolled into one end game. Double Janeways, fantastic thing. Borg queens, Borg babies, all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, I am excited to be talking about End Game, buddy. Me too. I, I rewatched it uh, just this week. Um, I forgot how much I love it, and I just watched it, you know, like within the last year. Yeah. Um, it is just such a great episode, and we'll talk about, like you said, our feelings on this particular finale and its place in the pantheon of, of series enders later on in the episode. But for now, Dan, folks may have comments, folks may have questions, folks may have letters to Santa. Uh. How made they direct those to us? To us, because we'll be make sure that they get to the North Pole, because I will be sending Bill there tomorrow uh, via um, bicycle. What is wrong with you? I don't even know. I'm not even sure. But, you know, there's a whole... I have no idea. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of ways that you can get in touch with us. Uh, and we definitely want to hear from you. That, that is for sure. Uh, you can head over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and you will find a whole bunch of ways to get in contact with us. You can email us. You can send us a voicemail. You can chat with us. You can tweet right to us directly. Uh, you can also head over to Camp Kittimer, which is the, face, uh, the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network over on the Book of Faces. It is the most positive Trek group on Facebook. We do not allow trolling. We do not allow gatekeeping. We only want people to celebrate what they love about Star Trek. Uh, It's easy to find us. Just search for Camp Kinnamer, and we'll let you right on in. Thank you so much to our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, for all the work that they have done running camp. Uh, It is just fantastic what they do. And we thank them very, very much. But please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Be nice. Don't be naughty. Wow. Yeah. It'd be nice if you like adhered to that advice yourself. That would be amazing I, for once. I, you know, do as I say, not as I do. discussion about our friends at Fantets is going to be a little bit different than usual. Normally, we spend this time talking about the great new products that Fansets has to offer, but as we record this week's episode, it's only just really hours from Christmas, and this week we want to take the time to wish them the happiest of holidays. Yeah, you're absolutely right, uh, Bill. This year has been such a strange one, and nobody has ever experienced anything like this pandemic in our lifetime. It's put tremendous strains on so many people and on so many small businesses in the United States. They have suffered as a result of the economic crash uh, as a result of COVID-19. But our friends at Fansets have spent the whole year working hard to give us the best new Star Trek pins anywhere, and it's because they know how much we love Trek And they know how much we hold these collectibles dear to our heart. Every single person at Fansets pours their hearts and souls into this product, their customer service, and their love of being fans themselves. So Lou, John, 
Amity, Lorene, Joe, and everybody at Fansets, we want to take a moment and wish you the happiest of holidays, and we look forward to a prosperous and successful 2021 with you. We love you all, and we can't wait to celebrate Star Trek with you in person once conventions start happening again. I couldn't have said it any better, man. They are truly the best in the business, and we cherish not only the business relationship we have with Fansets, but also the friendship. And and listeners, even though we may not be talking about new pins this week, that doesn't mean you still can't save big money over at Fansets.com. Trust me, you still can. Head on over to their website, put a bunch of stuff in your cart, and at checkout, be sure to use this week's special Trekkies discount code word, ENDGAME. That's E-N-D-G-A-M-E in all capital letters with no spaces for an amazing 15% off your entire order. Now, this offer is going to be good until December 30th, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Plus, don't forget, when you spend more than 30 bucks, you're automatically going to get free shipping in the U.S. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Science Division wants to wish you and your family the happiest of holidays and all the best in 2021. You know, one of the reasons we love working with Jay and Kaylee at Science Division is that they're not just a small business. They're a family business. And like many families this time of year, they've got a Christmas card to share with you. And this one's virtual. So many folks this year have commented online how they've gotten fewer Christmas cards this year, and Jay and Kaylea made one for all of their friends in the Trek community. If you go to their website at sciencediv.com, you can scroll down to the bottom and see their special holiday message to you on their blog, because blogs are not dangerous, Bill. Wow. I thought I was going to get a Christmas gift this year. I see that's off the table. (laughs) But of course, we can't talk about Science Division without mentioning their amazing Tribble, Right now, through the end of the year, you can get the Galaxy's first interactive Tribble at the discounted price of just $64 through the end of the year. Yeah, but you better uh, hurry because the end of the month is approaching faster than Santa in his sleigh. Plus, unlike Reindeer, the Science Division Tribble has the fluffiest Tribble fur in the Galaxy. It's incredibly soft. Plus, it trills. It purrs. It even screams on occasion, like Bill does to me. It's such a great Star Trek gift, and it's an incredibly high-quality collectible that you're going to want to add to your Star Trek collection. Plus, if you order now... Sorry, I was screaming. (laughs) Plus, if you order now, you'll be able to get your Tribble shipped to you for only four bucks here in the U.S. That's an amazing deal, and much cheaper than hiring a warp-capable spaceship to take you all the way to Space Station K7. I will say I did not write this week's copy. No, somebody good did. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Happy holidays from Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our dear friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Well, buddy, here we are. Mm -hmm. It's the end of 2020, and much like we've done in other anniversary years, we save our last real episode of the year to be the series finale. We kind of kick off with the series finale at the beginning of the year, and we end it with the very last episode of the series. And this year, we're doing it with Voyager's Endgame, a two-part episode in syndication, a two-hour episode that aired... Well, in, uh, well, God, what year was it now? 2001. A long time ago. I don't know. Almost I'm, 20 years ago. I don't even remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely awesome. And, and let me, t- let me tell you a quick story about it before we get, before we get going. First of all, amazing story by Rick Berman 
Ken Biller and Brennan Braga, uh, also directed by Alan Croker. And it was, yeah, 19, uh, 2001. Yeah, it was 2001. May 23rd. Wow, that's a long time ago. Um, so as you wa- you watched it, like you said earlier, um, yeah. that you watched it recently. And so the other night, I'm uh, it's late. We, we, were, we were planning on going to, soon I were planning on going to bed early. And it was like 11, um, which is early for us. So, you know, we'll usually relax and get ready for it. And so I'm like, honey, I want to watch like the first like 15 minutes of Endgame just because I haven't seen it in a while and we're going to be recording on it. So I want to watch it. We watched the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just can't stop watching Endgame because it's so <laughs> fantastic. So we didn't mind staying up late for that. No. And why would you honestly? Because, you know, at the heart of this, there really is a good story. Yeah. You know, we t- we've talked a lot in the past about how Voyager kind of just neutered the Borg. But in this episode, you get a Borg story that has some real weight to it, has, has a real threat. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, you get Alice Krieger back oh. as the Borg queen. And that's, this is no knock on Susanna Thompson. None, none at all. Love her. Who was, who was fantastic as the Borg queen. Mm-hmm. But to have the original Borg queen back for a television episode yeah. is pretty amazing. It really is, and and I I remember the first time that I watched this back in two thousand one, I was freaking out a little bit when we saw her for the first time. I mean, they hold they did the whole thing with the spine coming down into the outfit and 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 everything like that, and and it's like, is that is that her? Yeah, it is, and it was it was pretty cool, and and yeah, you're right. The, we've talked about what they did with the Borg over the course of the seven seasons, or the I guess the four seasons that the Borg were in Voyager. Uh, but this is a this is a scary one. Um, they are back, at least in this, to a point. They are they are pretty ominous. Um, that very first time we see or Voyager sees them, and I, I was talking about this during a theater skip, but I couldn't remember what episode it was when they were flo- going through a nebula and there was a Borg ship coming right at them and, and they just barely got out of the way. Yeah. That's a great Borg moment when you see the size of that ship um, and the, and you know that they're in for uh, quite um, quite a fight. And it's, it's there are so many good parts of this episode. There are. So let's get the one part you hate out of the way. Oh. Because I, in rewatching this, I don't have as big a problem with this as you do. It's not that they're essentially girders. I mean, there are these—that's what struct- I call them. I know they're these structural supports that sort of keep the transwarp corridors open or from crushing whatever's inside. I think it's—it's it's actually not a bad explanation for why they're there. I don't like it. <laughs> I will. I will always, always say, okay. So there's these whatever they are, whether they're steel or whatever. I, I say steel. Of course, they're not steel, but they look like steel girders in tr- in trans warp space or whatever it's called, holding these corridors together, like kind of like a map of, or runways and stuff. I'm just, uh, I just, it's the, it's the, it. it there's not much, if anything. To dislike about this episode. That's the one thing that will always stick in my craw is is those things. It's it's I don't even know how to describe it. It's just yeah, and when and watching it again when we watched it, I'm like, I we were coming up to the part, and my wife, I'm like, here comes the stupid part, hon. <laughs> <laughs> to me, they kind of strike me like arterial stents. Ah, you know nah, what I mean? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, lo- I I love to joke about it, but it you know it it, it it's a joke to me at this point to make fun of it. But it it's just something that I was just like, really, yeah, that's all you could come up with for for the way to defeat the Borg and and defeat them in a humongous way by destroying that hub. 
Yeah. Because it just and everything gets destroyed on that side in the Delta Quadrant, the whole yeah. hub and and all the all the apertures and everything like that. It's a huge defeat for the Borg. And they did it because they broke the building, if you want to look at it that way. So it's <laughs> broke like okay. the building. You're killing me. <laughs> You're killing me. Sorry. It, it's it, it's much better than partial assimilation. It. I will give you that. I will give you that. But I'm sorry. The next time I'm in subspace, if I'm you know not sure where to go, I'm certainly not going to go knocking on wooden doors. You know. I just, I don't know. It makes me wonder if that whole idea of the the transwarp corridors and that sort of network of tunnels, if you will, kind of inspired the mycelial network storyline for Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, the mycelial network is different. You can travel essentially the the mushroom highway, if you will. Mm. Um, you can be anywhere instantaneously. And this isn't that, but I can kind of see it being a cousin in the, in the, in the creation of the show. One of the things that was interesting to me, and, and I could be wrong because there's been so many episodes that we've talked about, is this the first time that we've really actually seen that the Borg are able to travel throughout the galaxy using this transwarp hub? Because if 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 so, if, if it is the first time, it's a little disappointing because they could have been jumping all over the galaxy instantaneously or within minutes, as they said, a long time ago. And they wouldn't have taken how many years from the Enterprise Borg Cube to get the signal and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Why did they send one Borg Cube to Earth instead of like every 50? other time yeah. instead of 50 if they could be there almost instantaneously? Yeah, yeah. I understand that there's only six of them in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Got it. But theoretically, you could maybe jump from one to another. You could, but and also, even if there are only six, in that one that we saw in this episode, there were a ton of Borg ships going through different ports, entering yeah. different apertures at different, when we saw the whole thing, and yeah. it, looked, it looked like it was surrounding in the orbit of a star, which was kind of cool, too. It really did. I, this That is my one problem with the whole episode is the fact they have this amazing transportation device, yet they only ever send one or two or three cubes anywhere yeah. at, at a given time. Mm -hmm. Usually one in most of the conflicts we've seen. Yeah. If they can be anywhere at any point, why haven't they conquered the entire galaxy yet? And, and you're absolutely right about that, that they're only sending one whenever they have these big battles. But at times during Voyager, we would see... Four, six, right. how many, how many, 12 cubes were behind them at one point? With eight, Especially against 8472. Eight, four, two. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You know, I'm willing to overlook it because it is the finale and it is so good. And there are so many other parts of the story that are, are so solid. Um, one of them is a, I can't believe this is happening solid, but it's still solid. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah. So now that we've dispensed with the things that uh, kind of <laughs> make us go, eh, all right, let's talk about all of the awesomeness in Endgame, because that's going to be the rest of this conversation. Right. Um, I love the way this episode starts. This episode starts off with a celebration. You know, there's fireworks. Who doesn't love fireworks? There's a starship coming home after being gone for so long. Mm -hmm. And then you realize it's the 10th anniversary of that night, and you see the crew, what's left of them, gathering. And um, Janeway looks pretty great. Bolana yeah. looks pretty great. Mm -hmm. Tom kind of looks like his dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. And the doc looks like the doc, uh, of course, because, you know, he's a Naturally. hologram. And oh my God, Harry Kim is a captain. Can we get an amen? <laughs> I'm still not buying it. It's, it's it's fake. It's the future that never happens, so it doesn't happen. But remember, it's not our Harry Kim. <laughs> it's the one that died in deadlock. <laughs> 
or the one that's the one that they stole in deadlock after the one that died right absolutely yeah um you said it a moment ago admiral janeway looks phenomenal i love what the makeup team in this episode did with kate for for admiral janeway she looks awesome and we'll get to it more kate's performance in this episode is doubly as good as any other episode for obvious reasons. You know, anytime I see an actor playing against themselves in a show, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this uh, this is, you know, in a courtroom they say, you know, never be your own attorney. Don't ever represent yourself because you've got a fool, you know, for a client. Um, I, I kind of feel the same way about actors who are cast against themselves in the same scene yeah. and they have to use split screen or, or whatever, because it can be really amazing or it can go horribly wrong very quickly and seem just really unrealistic. I'm going to give you two examples. One that really works. TNG time squared. Yes. Um, Patrick Stewart and Patrick Stewart, the same scene, almost flawless. We just talked about actually. Yeah, we did. One that doesn't work. Brent Spiner in Star Trek Nemesis. Practically cringeworthy. Right. Yes, you're correct. You know, um, this one with Kate uh, playing both Admiral and Captain Janeway, I think is the best out of all of them. Kate not only nails, you know, the the current day Catherine Janeway and how she would react to something, she, uh, she takes that and takes it to a completely different level for jaded, cynical Admiral Janeway, Mm -hmm. who is very different for her experiences. And I love both portrayals. I, yeah, I, I especially love Admiral Janeway in this in this episode. I really like seeing that part of Janeway that we're not used to seeing, but at the same time, it makes sense. Now, I'm going to get into what I think is a is a a flaw is not the right word with the episode and and Janeway's thinking uh, when we talk about um, her whole plan later on, but. I love the intensity that she has uh, in all of her scenes, um, especially the one that will always stand out was when she's talking to Seven. And she yeah. talks about people who love you. And the way that those words come out of her mouth, the the, uh, the motion in the, is probably my favorite moment with Admiral Janeway in the entire episode. Uh, I agree completely. Um, my second favorite one is when Admiral Janeway and Captain Janeway are in the corridor and she, and Admiral Janeway just blurts out seven dies and the look on Captain Janeway's face, you would have thought that somebody smacked her in the face with a two by four. It just, it, it hits her, you know, right square in the jaw. And it's just, it just takes the wind right out of her. I'm glad you brought that up. So let's, I'm going to want, I want to talk about that right now then. Yeah, let's do it. That's the scene that I wanted to talk about. I totally get it. Seven of nine is going to die. That hits you like a freight train, like you said. Yeah. For me, knowing the way that Janeway is as captain for the whole time that we've watched Voyager, in my opinion, it's like Admiral Janeway is doing all of this and is going to wipe out 23 years of her history because seven of nine dies. That's what it feels to me she's doing this entire thing as mm-hmm. a result of. And that's so not Janeway to me. It, it, well, it is, but it isn't. I don't know if she would be willing to completely possibly destroy an entire timeline that she has lived through by saving, by going back in time and preventing Seven from dying so that everybody will be happy on the ship. It's, 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 it's a lot for me to take in, I think. I see that. 
Um, and, and I totally understand it. I look at it from this perspective. It, it's no secret that Janeway carries a lot of guilt. You know, she's the reason they're in the Delta Quadrant. She's the reason that, you know, whatever crew members they've lost in this time, they've lost because she made that decision. In her mind, all of those deaths weigh on her shoulders. And then to find out, you know, from the older version of herself, that not only does Seven die three years from then, but Chakotay is never the same afterwards. Mm -hmm. I think that becomes what she can't live with. I think that that's really the straw that breaks the camel's back. Is it the right decision? No, not for Admiral Janeway. Yeah. But it is the right one for Catherine Janeway, the captain. It, it, it is. I also like how in, in a, one thing I will say in regards to Captain Janeway is during this whole thing, when she gets that news, it obviously affects her greatly, but mm. she's still more concerned with dealing a devastating blow to the Borg than by just shooting through one of the apertures and getting home. And yeah. so, so you see, you see her wrestling with, with the possibility of, of what Admiral Janeway has seen coming true along with what her duty as a Starfleet officer is in defeating the Borg, which is why I think that the whole idea of introducing the virus into Admiral Janeway to bring back to the Borg is ingenious. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and nobody sees it coming. I mean, it's different than what Crusher wanted to do. She wanted to essentially introduce uh, nanoprobes or nanobots. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget which term and somebody's going to at me. So please don't at me. Um, I know it's nano. I know it's nanoprobes or something. Yeah. Nano something or other. Nanos. Yeah. Hashtag nano. Um, not an iPod nano. Completely different. <laughs> well, it could be just as devastating. <laughs> yeah. To me, especially. <laughs> um, uh, but I really appreciate the way that they go through and introduce that aspect because nobody expects at that point that Admiral Janeway is willing to sacrifice herself to do it. Well, what's interesting is she's she's uh, Ca Captain Janeway says, "Are you ready?" And and Admiral's like, "No." I love the way she says that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's, these whole time discussions can really get confusing. She's she's not ready for it, but yet if this works, she's not going to exist. So why not? You know what I mean? Well, this for <laughs> me brings up the greatest conundrum of the episode. And I know Janeway says not to think about this whole time stuff because she'll get a headache. <laughs> but you've introduced it, so I'm going to follow the thread for a second. Okay. So follow me here step by step. Admiral Janeway comes back from the future, pollutes the timeline. Mm -hmm. Captain Janeway implements the recommendations for shielding and transphasic torpedoes so that they can stand a chance against the Bork. Mm -hmm. Admiral Janeway gets injected with the virus. Yeah. Captain Janeway takes the Voyager through the transwarp hub and they, the whole thing goes kablooey. So if Captain Janeway changes history, did the transwarp hub ever blow up? Because Admiral Janeway was never there. Yeah. You can get a headache. You can get a headache with, with talking. It, with, and I, I know you're going to hate it. It's like talking about the whole different back to the future scenarios. No, I know. You, I, I get you it. Just, you can just wrap yourself into a knot, into a pretzel, thinking of all the different things. You're absolutely right. So the Borg Queen didn't really die because Admiral Janeway didn't come back to be infected and then infect the collective and have her arm and leg fall off and then she blew up. Or did she? 
I don't know. Or did she? <laughs> oh, all I gotta say either, is, either way, Admiral Janeway is no longer in existence, either from the explosion or from the change to the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This um, is one of those this is one of those type of discussions where we need a third person. <laughs> but you know, this is the kind of thing that I like about this episode. I don't I don't dislike that aspect of the episode. Please don't misunderstand. Exactly. Yep. It's making us talk about it. And it's making me think. And it's like, wow, that's really kind of deep. I mean, this is, it's kind of a chicken or the egg kind of thing. But when you put it in Star Trek, it's instantly a, a, a time conundrum. And yeah, I got a headache. Now, and, 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 and it, the other thing is, I don't think we're being hypocritical about it. Because in some episodes, we'll be like, no, 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 that would never have happened. But right. in this one, it's fun to talk about and, it really and is. think about all the different yeah maybe this that I, I don't know it's it's crazy but it's crazy in a in a very very good way speaking of infecting the borg or even let's bring it back let's talk about for a quick moment the scene where um the queen triangulates on the shuttle and yeah. beams janeway to her chamber mm -hmm. and then she's irritated and she just like a little bit out come the na out come the nanoprobes and and Janeway gets infected we've seen in first contact and we've seen in other things how quickly assimilation takes place and for the last 10 minutes or so or or even maybe longer of the episode Janeway does have a little couple things show up some little uh mechanical borg like things show up on her face but she's always just kind of sitting there like kind of like woozy and be like okay I'm bringing chaos to order but she never really gets assimilated and i'm not sure is that just because they wanted to stretch out the episode the writers or is it possibly because the virus that she had and then got back into the collective helped slow it down i assume it's because of the virus okay um and plus i assume it's for dramatic effect that's what I've I've used to think that, but now I'm thinking more the the virus might have had something to do with it because if it's just for dramatic effect, it goes against what we've seen before, which is one of those no 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 you don't moments. But so yeah. I'm willing to bend. But. I have to say one of the scenes in this episode that truly breaks my heart are the scenes with Tuvok in the future. You know, Janeway goes to visit him, and clearly he's suffering from that neurological condition that mm -hmm. he at, at the beginning of the episode was not disclosing to Captain Janeway, but. She goes to visit him, and she always goes to visit him on Sundays. And Tuvok, of course, applying logic, says, well, you can't be Catherine Janeway because Catherine Janeway comes on Sundays. And it was very heartbreaking to me to see somebody who was so in control have nothing of that left and to try to grasp onto that logic and the one thing that he felt defined him in those moments. Tim Russ does an amazing, amazing job in those scenes. He really does. There's there's two things. Oh, the five, three, three, one, seven, one, five, three. I I love that aspect when she's when he's with the doctor. But you're right. When he's writing um and and on the floor and Janeway's there, there's a moment where she puts her hand on his head and kind of just like strokes the back of his head. Yeah. That instantly makes me think of Year of Hell when he was blind and they were saying goodbye and she kind of like grabbed his face. The connection between these two characters has always been something that has been very special. And I think those are the two strongest moments. Even if this one is in a future that never ends up happening, that moment may be the bigger of the two that I just described. There's, there's a real affection there. Yep. And it's one that 
and it really is heartwarming, even in those moments. Because I mean, you know that that Tuvok would do anything for Janeway. He 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 says as much in many episodes. But you know that her commitment to him is equally as strong, and and the bond they share is quite special. It's very different from Kirk and Spock, um, but it is it is certainly not less significant in mm-hmm. any way. I think um, it's it is probably one of my all time favorite scenes uh, in in this episode, and probably in Voyager. I've never seen someone go back and forth between two different pieces of paper, though, when they're writing things the way he does. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, you've clearly never tried to write a term paper in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, th- those scenes are really great. And th- and that scene with the doctor is also great. You can certainly, Tuvok is agitated and the doctor's trying to figure out and he has to go talk to Barkley. And by the way, speaking of Barkley, it's good to see Barkley in this episode again. Yeah, Absolutely. Is there anyone in Starfleet in the future who wears his pants any higher um, than he does when he's in the lecture hall to talk about the Borg? I oh, see. That's one of the reasons I hate those uniforms. Oh, they're just awful. Because they're practically Empire waistlines for men. Oh, I, I'm not a fan of them. In fact, any of the in fact, even when Bashir wears his in Deep Space Nine, they're a little high. Yeah. In the in the Visitor. Yeah. Um, I just I hate them. They are terrible. They look. It looks fantastic on Janeway. It does, and that's the one thing I was going to say is is on her though. It looks great, but I didn't like him on anybody else. It looks awesome on Dax. It looks awesome on uh, Beverly Crusher and all good things. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, the 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 men's version of that uniform is just I, I don't like. Yeah. I, I will never cosplay that uniform. No, Let me tell you that right here. Speaking of all good things, I did love the fact that continuity-wise, Admiral Janeway's combat, or everybody's combat in the future, is the all good things combat, if I'm not mistaken. It looks almost exactly the same. I might have to check with our friends at Fansets about that, but I thought it was the same thing. It, it essentially is. Um, well, I, that just tells us that in the future, Starfleet, that's the, the design Starfleet goes to. Yeah. And it just so happens that in Picard, it's a variation of that, it's which I think is very, very cool. very similar. Yeah. It's very it's, cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to talk about Chakotay and Seven, and I don't want to talk about it from the aspect of, oh God, why do they put these two together in the last episode? Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about it from the aspect of the growth it means for Seven of Nine. Because I forgot about the scene where she goes to the doctor and says she wants to have the surgery essentially to flip on the rest of her emotions. Right. Because I forgot that that was kind of an option. Mm-hmm. I, I just assumed that she was suppressing them. I forgot that it was really just a uh, a procedure, if you will. Right. And I thought that that was huge for Seven to make that decision. Uh, it, it it puts her in a very vulnerable place. It puts her in a very uneasy place. And the fact that she's willing to do that, I think says a lot about how far she's come being with this crew and under Janeway's tutelage. And it's very interesting how she reacts with these new emotions to the news of what happens with her and how it affects Chakotay because she's willing to shut the whole thing down like a Borg drone flipping off a switch as Chakotay. Yeah. That, that's a very powerful yet... Um, important quote insult that he throws at her when they're having the discussion of whether or not they're going to stay a couple. I thought it was really good, and it was a great scene with with Beltran and 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 um, and Ryan with the two of them. And I'm glad that he was able to, you know, talk her out of just you know becoming dronish again and just shutting all her emotions off. It and you're right, it is a very a very vulnerable moment for her to decide 
not only to have it done, but to decide to have it done and go to the doctor. Yeah, it it was a really special moment, I thought. And I appreciated how the doctor handled it. The doctor offers to to help as much as he can to be a stand-in for the Chakotay hologram program. I'm thinking Good to myself, call back. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, didn't we not forget how this worked out for Barkley? <laughs> but okay, let's let it ride. And I'm thinking the doctor just wants to be the, the romantic attraction. Exactly. That's what I thought. But too. he takes it so well. Mm-hmm. That's really what amazes me at the end of all this. They could have shown him really kind of down. They could have shown him, you know, pouting essentially. But no, he's happy for seven. Yeah. And that really says a lot about, it says a lot about the future. It says a lot about the way we are today. Yeah, it does. Um, but it, it says a lot about the respect the doctor has for seven's decision. And I think that's key. Yeah, I really do too. It, it, it's another, We've talked about seven and the doctor um, over the course of season, season seven. Um, but there are some very strong moments between the two characters. They obvious, obviously she trusts him, whether it's because he's a hologram, whether it's because he's a doctor and has to keep everything confidential. It could be a combination of that, or maybe she's just come out of her shell with somebody who she feels she can. Yeah. Um, but they obviously had a great, um, uh, relationship between the two of them. And you're right. His reaction was, was pretty special because you, you know, anybody else could have been like, oh, okay, you don't want, you don't want my help in the romance department. Well, okay, bye. That would have been Harry Kim's reaction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, awesome. yeah, absolutely. Doesn't get promoted. Doesn't get the hot <laughs> Borg the babe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I really like that aspect for those characters. I like what we see of the Doctor in the future. I think it's interesting that it gets married. Yeah. The whole principle behind that really kind of just astounds me and I, I gotta love admiral janeway's little dig when he's like oh we can't all be young and she goes like your wife i know <laughs> that was great <laughs> and it's so subtle too it is but it also shows the kind of relationship they've developed in the years since voyager got home too Absolutely. which i think is fantastic yeah um let's talk about tom and Bolana a little bit mm-hmm. the comedy in this episode actually works it does there are many times where intentional comedy in Star Trek does not always come across well. It uh, it doesn't play well because it seems too campy. Mm-hmm. In this aspect where you've got the expectant parents and Tom gets woken up from a dead sleep because of what <laughs> amounts to Bolana's Braxton Hicks contractions. Um <laughs> I think that that scene works really, really well. It really does. He's ready to go to sick bay without her, and it's, it's just with no pants like, on. Yeah. She's just like oh, whatever, and she's just like ready to go on her own. I think not not having gone through that myself, and you haven't gone through that yourself. I wouldn't be surprised. I would do it. I'd probably do it. I'd probably get in the car and start driving down the street without Sue. You know. It's you know. <laughs> oh, I knew I forgot something. Oh, uh, but it, but it yeah. really does work, and and it's, and it even works with with her when she's in sick bay and she's screaming that she wants this thing out of her now. Um, I and she calls him Flyboy most of the episode. Tom, I all those things actually really do work. Um. And, and and not so much for humor, but since we're talking about the two of them, I loved their daughter in the future, Morale, helping Janeway. Yeah. And the the line, you are your mother's daughter, is perfect when, when she starts cussing at the Klingons in Klingon. And she said that she would have ripped his arm off or something like that. It's just, it's the Paris family is doing well in the future. They really are. And honestly, they're doing pretty well in the present. I mean, they are. you brought up that scene in the in sickbay when Bolana's in labor. 
And the thing I really like about that sick bay is here it is. It's the most critical moment of the episode for Paris on numerous fronts. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Bolan is ready to give birth. They're ready to go back into the nebula to face the Borg. And he gets summoned to the bridge and he's like, uh, what am I going to do now? And she does great. She's like, you know what? This crew needs the best pilot at the helm. So go. And, and he goes. But I also think that as much as Paris knows he made the right decision, I have to imagine that he's bummed out by that decision. Oh, yeah. Um, I, can, I can imagine every father wants to be there for the birth of their child, especially their first child. Yeah. Um, and, and his duty uh, didn't allow him to do that. It didn't, although it's kind of cool he gets to come back to the Alpha Quadrant with a grandkid for his uh, for his dad. Hey, dad, by the way, haven't seen you. Our relationship sucks. Meet your granddaughter. She's half, she's a quarter Klingon. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, she's Klingon, so you got that going for you, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think the one character that really doesn't get a whole lot to do in this episode is Harry. Poor Harry. He does have those scenes as Captain came to the Rhode Island with Janeway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that stuff is kind of eh. Let, let me let me throw one thing in there before we go to your next topic about Harry. But I just yeah. want to throw this because you mentioned the Rhode Island, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh my god! And I had to go back and look, and I did this actually this afternoon. For a minute, I thought it was a going to be an unbelievably brilliant piece of continuity. I thought for a second that that was the same ship that Jordy was commanding in Timeless, but it no. wasn't. It was the Challenger, and I was Challenger. very bummed out when that ha- when I realized that, because that would have been cool if Harry Kim was captain of the same ship that Jordy was chasing him in in a different future. And wasn't the Challenger a Galaxy class? I don't I don't think so. No, I'd have to I'll have to look it up, but I don't I don't believe it was. Um I, I looked at that that uh, Rhode Island, and it looked to me like the uh, the Equinox. It did. It did look like the Equinox. Yep. You know. Um, yep. Uh, so I, the stuff that that Captain Harry Kim gets to do is really kind of bland. Okay, he's got a scene with Janeway. They have a a hug, you know, goodbye for the final time, and the stuff he gets to do in the here and now is really kind of meh. He's excited <laughs> about going to the Nebula. He can't convince Tom to do it because Tom says, I- "I'm already home." You know. Voyager's home to Tom now, and that's disappointing to Harry. Yep. So he kind of carries that around, and he does have the good speech about it being about the destination, or not being about the destination, but the journey. Yeah. And that's really it. Um, to and- me, that's the one character I wish that had more of a breakout moment like everybody else seemed to in this episode. I thought that speech was, it was a good speech, but the the way that it was brought about and the way he did it was kind of like too much... You know, rah, rah, hey, I'm going to pat you on the shoulder because, you know, we're all in this together and, and all that stuff. I thought it was a little bit over the top for drama, for dramatic yeah. dramatic um, showing. Um, I will say, while, while we were talking, I did look. The USS Challenger Galaxy class was a ship. That was the one that was rammed by the Jem'Hadar um, in Deep Space Nine when the Galaxy um, ship went that's through. That's what I'm thinking of. So there are two challenges that we've seen, one from Deep Space Nine and then this one uh, in Timeless, but I'll have to double check to see what kind of ship that was. Well, all right. Yes, that's what I do. Thank you so much. My pleasure, my pleasure. Yes. Um, so we talked about Harry. We've talked about uh, Seven, which I, I think was really kind of integral. Yeah, what do you want? What do you got? I got one line that I thought was very good. It, it deals with Harry, but it's also the the relationship. We, of course, this whole show is is relationships, and we see relationships all season long, all series long. But there's always been that relationship between Harry and Tom, 
And in the one uh, when they decide that they are not, they're getting away from the nebula, and and Harry is obviously upset. And then he sees Paris in the in the corridor and is like, "Hey, let's go talk to the captain. Two of us, we can talk her into it." And Harry says, "Don't you want to find a way home?" And Paris's reaction is one of the best. I am home, Harry. That's awesome. Did you miss the part where I said that about? Two and a half minutes ago? I, I, I completely missed it. I completely missed it. It's when I was looking up the Challenger thing. I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about uh, something else, and I'll just be quiet now. I was talking about Harry and, you know, how he, he does have a, a couple of good moments. And, you know, he gets kind of, he, he feels, you know, kind of bummed out after Tom says that because it seems like everybody's moved on but him. Yeah. See, that's what happened. I can't do two things at once, man. You can't do one thing at I can't. once. <laughs> So I, I apologize for that. About? But you know what? All of our listeners are laughing at me again. So win. <laughs> well, that's something that I think has been a hallmark of Trek Geeks since 2016. <laughs> true. Or true. 15, whenever the hell this thing started. Oh. 14. No, 15? I, I don't even know. I don't You're know. making me do two things at once. I got something that we haven't talked about that happened are you sure? the beginning of the episode that I don't think you've talked about yet. And that is Karath. Um, and... Yeah, I. Why do Klingons always live in caves or dark areas? I. That's the house of Korath. I thank exactly. That's ex, that's exactly my point. That's it, really pretty horrible. Is he Reman? I mean, what the hell? Um, <laughs> why are there always caves in Star Trek? Why can't there he just a have a caves. house? That's true. I'd love to see them pull up to a, a you know nice two story colonial. Perhaps with some some pillars outside, maybe a torch, you know, uh, kegs of blood wine in the in the kitchen, or you know, maybe he's got a wine cellar, a Klingon blood wine cellar. Um, but no, he lives in a cave. Yeah, it's and good. Von Armstrong, of course, but oh well, yeah, that that yeah. that is true. Yeah. Um, but Janeway's like, I love what you've done with the place, and yes, it's sarcastic. But why does a dude live in the cave, and how? Why does he have this technology? He li- so so maybe he has been discommodated. We don't know. I'm just th- speculation. So maybe he's you know it's it's all, I don't think it's on the Klingon homeworld. Obviously, it's just on some uh, planet somewhere. But it, it always seems it's a cave. But he's got this technology that is like time changing. It's it's just like uh, how did he get it? We don't really know a lot about what's going on. We don't know who this guy is, but. He's got some nice starships, I'll say, because when they start chasing after her, they're pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good flight scenes when you see both of those uh, those those Klingon ships. But I just the, every time I see that scene with Karath and 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 the equipment, I'm like, it's a cave. It's what's going on with this? Yeah, it's a strange. Yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> it, it's a convenient device. It gives you know us a, a reason to see Morale Paris. Yes. It gives us a reason for Janeway to have to get out into space. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense, um, it's it's not, it, it doesn't hurt the episode necessarily. No. It, it, it's, it's just a head neat. scratcher. It's kind of neat because it looks like basically all she does with the, she, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy how she's able to steal it, which is kind of just slap a transporter Something or other on yeah. beam it up. And then they basically take like a pop socket and put it on top of the shuttle so that they can shoot the beam out later. <laughs> that's, what, that's all I could think of when a I watched pop it. Pop socket. Oh my word. <laughs> and 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 again, I'm I'm just having fun with the episode. I love it. I'm not downplaying anything because it's awesome. So 
uh, obviously one of the things that you and I have articulated about this episode in the past is that they get home and it's over. Yeah. There's no resolution. There's no uh, epilogue, if you will. So let's take a moment to theorize because that's always kind of a fun exercise, especially with an episode like this. Mm-hmm. They get home, Chicote's at con, Tom and Bologna are welcoming little morale into the world. Um, the doctors in, in sick bay doing, you know, doctory things. Harry's excited because he's home. Um, what do you think happens next? They get to Starfleet Command, Janeway submits her report. What happens to the crew once they get back to Earth? That's a real good question. Um, obviously, uh, Janeway gets promoted to Admiral, as we saw in uh, uh, Nemesis. Nemesis. Nemesis, yeah. Yep. Which and and she she still says that Picard gets all the tough jogs like the Sona and I just laugh at that every time. But anyway, um, based on what we've seen in Picard, and I'm sorry if anybody hasn't seen Picard, is going to be a spoiler alert. We know that things did not go well for Seven. Obviously, her debrief happened, but she must not have either liked what she saw in Starfleet or the Federation because we see what happens what happened to her in Picard and she basically became kind of like a pirate. Um, and, and that's that's just a very high level way to, to call it what she's what she does. Um, but the rest of the crew, oh, gosh man, I don't know. I mean t- or even though that they, they did so many good things when they were part of the Voyager crew, are any of the people that were Maquis going to face any discipline uh, over what they did before they were lost? I mean, that's, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Chakotay being one of them, he may be one of the best first officers that we've seen, but you got to wonder if there's going to be any backlash for what he was before. I'm going to guess no. And I'm going to guess that, you know, because of his service aboard the Voyager and his, his key role in helping that crew survive and get home, I think that they're going to essentially, you know, uh, pretend that never happened. Yeah. Or at least um, dismiss all of those charges if there are mm-hmm. any. Yeah. And and honestly, that would be the right thing to do. I mean, hell, if Kirk oh, yeah. can get demoted to captain and get a starship for stealing the Enterprise and going to rescue Spock against orders, mm-hmm. then the least they can do is pardon Chakotay and any of the Maquis crew aboard Voyager for anything they may have done. And I would agree with that. It's not like I'm saying that he should have been. I'm just wondering yeah. if that would happen. And, and as far as I'm concerned, any of the crew um, that that had survived and uh, were Maquis and are now Starfleet, it should be all a a it's expunged from your records uh, based on what happened over the seven years on Voyager. Do you think Chakotay becomes captain of Voyager? Yeah, I would like to think that. Um, it would make sense. Um, I don't recall if there are any novels where he is. I think I there are. Remember. I, th- I think there might be, but uh, I would like to see that if Janeway's not the captain still, um, because she becomes Admiral, uh, it would it would make sense, and I think that he would be deserving of it. We assume Tuvok goes home to get his neurological condition dealt right. with. Yep. Um, do you assume that he stays in Starfleet, or do you think that he leaves Starfleet after this experience? Again, not relying on any potential novels. Yeah. Um, I would say probably he did talk about his family a lot on Voyager and he had been away from them. I think it might be time for him to be on Vulcan with his family. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that this experience would have taught him a lot. And I think that for as controlled and as reasoned as his logic is, I think that he he missed them a great deal and wants yeah. to be with them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's safe to say that Harry stays in Starfleet. Yeah, he doesn't have anything else to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, he's a lifer. He is. You Absolutely, know? he is. And, yeah. and good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it makes sense. I, I can't see Bellana staying in Starfleet. Not as a chief engineer. Um, I, and I can't see Tom staying in Starfleet either. I think that they start on their paths to hollow novel writer and what, uh, what is she, an attache to, to the Klingon homeworld? Yes, I think that's what she is. And it makes sense. I think that um, we see uh, with j- just in the first few minutes of being a father, his whole life changes when he hears that baby through the comm system. Yeah. And I think that he's going to concentrate on being a father, being at home. And like you said, if he's a hollow novelist, like uh, with the future that we saw, what a perfect way to be able to be with the family and still uh, be able to bring home the bacon. What a great moment that is, too. It is. You know, you see the, the unmitigated joy on Janeway's face. The smile. And, and honestly, uh, you, you get to the end of that episode and you wonder why they're not cheering and all smiles and relieved. But I thought about this today and it, it's got to be pure shock. Yeah. They've all got to be dumbfounded from the fact, you know, we've we've survived everything that we've come through in the last seven years and in an instant we're home? Are you kidding me? Is this real? That's really kind of how it seems. You see that and hear that with Janeway. They come through the explosion of the Borg sphere and there's Earth and her only reaction, we did it. That's it. Yeah. And it, and it, and, and it, it make, it's right for the moment. It is right. I think it, I think it really is. So it's another, another great moment for Kath and Janeway. For a long time, I wasn't sure if it was, and it took rewatching it and really thinking about it to realize that actually it was perfect for the moment because I, if that had been me, well, honestly, I'm surprised Harry Kim wasn't more excited and that's really it. You know, I'm surprised he wasn't like, you know, golly gosh, gee willikers, we made it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That was, I didn't expect that. I kid Um, Garrett. I kid. um, Um, It's not Garrett. Garrett does a great job. It's just what they did with what, what they were able to give him. But you're, he does he does crack a smile. He does, he does. look excited. He does. But I wonder if his excitement is tempered because he sees the way the captain reacts. I think so. Yeah. Um, the other reaction that is in, uh, that, that I wish we could see is Chakotay's reaction where he gets to actually pilot them to space mm-hmm. dock and not Tom. I have to think that Chakotay, being who he is, wishes that Tom could have done it for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I, I think that he takes, you know, a, a great pride in sitting in for Tom in that moment. That's just my own headcanon, though. Absolutely. And I think it also is kind of a, a play on what we just talked about. Tom is now going to be a father, and that's going to be the most important thing for him. So he's off in sickbay to meet his daughter. Chakotay's proud to sit in that seat for him, like you just said, and pilot it. And I don't know if I'm stealing your thunder if you're going to talk about it a second, but the best the best moment of returning to the Alpha Quadrant is Janeway's uh, final words, which were the words that she used at the end of episode one, seven years ago. Yeah, it's um, it's really kind of great that that kind of bookends the entire the entire journey, mm-hmm. if you will. It starts it and it finishes it, um, and it's it's just such a great moment. It, it is. really is. It, and and one of the things that I think is very interesting also in that moment is this is Voyager's moment, but they still are able to bring in some past things of Star Trek to make it feel. Like they are really back in Star Trek. Yep. There's galaxy class starships. There's a defiant ship 
uh, class starship there. There's an Enterprise B or uh, B looking starship there, all escorting Voyager back towards Earth. And I thought that was kind of a cool moment as well. I didn't notice those the first couple of times I watched it, but in prepping for this and looking at screenshots, I'm like, oh, look at all those kind of cool ships they got there. Those are all callbacks to the great series. Absolutely, they are. Yeah. And, um, well, what a great series Voyager is on its own, you know? It, uh, yeah. It's a great way for this series to go out. As we start to uh, start to wrap up our discussion here, let's think about where this finale ranks among the other finales. Mm-hmm. We're not going to count Turnabout Intruder because it was not right. a series finale, mm-hmm. although it was the last episode of the original series. It was never intended to be the final episode. Right. Agreed. It just got canceled. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so when you consider the ones that had aired to that point, there's all good things. There's uh, what you leave behind. There's Endgame. How do you stack rank those or can you? Do we want to include Enterprises as well, even though it ha- we haven't talked about it yet? Um, it hasn't happened yet at this point okay. in the timeline. So, But yeah, no, go ahead and include it. That's fine. Well, it's easy because that's going to be the bottom one anyway. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> even though there are good points to it, um, it's it's very difficult. They are all excellent in their own way. Um, I think all good things really shines with Sir Patrick Stewart and the, and and what he does. So many three timelines that he has to deal with, where where Kate deals with two. Um, for me. Deep Space Nine is my series, and there's so much that happens in that, both good and bad. That one, for me, is still my favorite, but I will say that uh, Voyager is an extremely close second finale. I think it's. I think both of those are better than All Good Things, um, and that's saying something because All Good Things is pretty good, but Deep Space Nine, it's, it's still the one for me, man. What about you? I think that Endgame is a better finale than All Good Things and What You Leave Behind. Um, and that's not to say I dislike either of those episodes, because obviously right. I don't. Yeah. And there are going to be people going, what? But I honestly <laughs> think that's true. When you look at What You Leave Behind, it is the 11th episode in an 11-part finale. That's true. It, it's the final act. And there are so many things that happen there. But in order to know, to know what's going on, you need to have seen the previous 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is all set up for that final hour. Now, some might say, well, that's true of the other shows. And yes, it is. And yes, it isn't. Um, But for me, Endgame does some things that All Good Things tried to do, but does a little better. We have each of the finales has a dead crew person that isn't explained. Each of those finales has somebody who um, was devastated by that crew member's death. Each of them has an alternate future and some kind of time travel. But I think Endgames is a story that is better rounded out, Mm -hmm. has better character development because that actually matters in the end. Most of the things and all good things never happen. Right. And when all is said and done. And I, I think that it's a better ending for the series itself. Okay. Whereas we knew Next Gen was going into movies. Right. So they kind of wrote it to that aspect. The Enterprise, you know, essentially rides off into the sunset. Yeah. uh, Only to be seen again six months later in a movie. Right. That's true. So uh, for me, I think as an actual finale, I think that Endgame is, is actually the best of them. That's that's very interesting. Now, I will say, I agree with you on, on some points. For me, um, What You Leave Behind is so special because I love 
the aspect of the Dominion. Mm-hmm. I, I love the war aspect, as twisted as that may sound. Garrick and Odo, um, Odo and Quark, all those things. One of the things that I've always been sad about with the finale of Deep Space Nine is Ben. And it, and it may be great that he's going to be with the prophets to learn and whatever, but he leaves behind his son and he leaves behind his wife, an unborn child. And that's a sad thing f- for me. It is. And for a finale, that not knowing how long he's going to be gone or anything like that, because there was nothing after Deep Space Nine, unless you want to look at the novels. And I don't want to count the novels, even though I love them and, and, and read them. With this... We get that finality of what they went through. So I do agree with you very much on that point. We may not get to see anything but them heading towards the orbit of their home planet after seven years being stranded 70,000 light years away. But there is that finality that they made it. Ben and and everything else on DS9, there's not a lot of finality. There's a lot of question marks, actually. But for me, because it's my favorite one, because of how much um, I... I hold that series dear to my heart. It's still the number one, but but I got to tell you, Endgame is 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 right there behind it. Well, before anybody you know uh, who may be new to Trek geeks or or maybe you know forgets my relationship with Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine is my Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It is my all time favorite. Um, uh, you know, Cisco has has been my guy. Yeah, I have wa- rewatched DS Nine more than any other Star Trek at this point. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Voyager lover. I'm really new to the Voyager camp, uh, having only finished the series last year at this time. Yeah. So, um, it's it's a bold statement for me to make, but I, I think as a as a piece of writing, as a as a finale for a television series, I think it checks all the boxes. I really do. It's funny. We got TNG when TNG came out and and was all the rage after the first couple of seasons. And by the way, Justice was on tonight, and I was watching it. I was just like, <laughs> "This is just so awful." I was Starfleet. So, we oh. don't lie. I, I I said to Sue, she was she's baking because Christmas is a couple of days, and I'm like, "Honey, here comes the line." Listen, <laughs> and I just started laughing with that line, but but. TNG was so popular, and it was the it was the reboot of the of the franchise, and and we had the movies, and it was great. It's so so disappointing that we have not never got to see that with with not only Deep Space Nine but it's, but it's, but with Voyager. It would have been so great to have those series have movies unexpectedly. If we thought that those were the end of the shows, and then all of a sudden, boom, Paramount n- announces a Deep Space Nine movie and or a Voyager movie, that would have been one of the most exciting moments. It would have been right up there with 2009, because let's face it, when the 2009 movie got announced, that was big, was because big. there hadn't been a movie for a while. So um, yeah, it, it, that would have been really something. I think that if they had done like a, a movie with essentially all three casts combined somehow, yeah. That would have been, you know, Star Trek's Avengers moment, mm-hmm. and, you know, their own MCU moment Absolutely. before there was an MCU. So, yeah, that, yeah. Well, buddy, that kind of wraps up our discussion on the Star Trek Voyager series finale endgame. Uh, what a great, great two hours of, of television, or an hour and 40 minutes or whatever it is. And, um, imminently rewatchable and, and one that makes me love the series just as much as I, I did when I first completed it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those that that you look forward to every scene that you see until the end scene when then you realize that it's all done. You, you know, it's interesting. I don't get emotional watching all good things. No, I don't either. I get very emotional at the end of Deep Space 9 
very when they start playing that music and and then the the, the pullback of the station. I gotta admit, I got emotional just watching it yesterday. The end with Janeway's set a course for home, and then that subtle music as they're as it's going towards towards the planet. It's a it's a it's an amazing moment in Star Trek, and and it's one that I just will never ever get bored of, and it makes me want more. Yep. Well, luckily, we're going to get a little more Janeway on Star Trek Prodigy, the yes! Nickelodeon uh, Nickelodeon animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made my predictions yes, on that. Uh, we'll yep. see if it comes to fruition, but uh, I'm at least glad we get to learn more of what happens to Captain Janeway um, in some form. It'll be interesting to see. I gotta say, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great to see her in animated form, and and like Kate, Kate said in the announcement, she's gonna be able to do things that she wouldn't have been able to do in human form. Um, I'm sad that we won't see Kate as as Janeway, but to be able to hear that voice, which is so distinct and so beautiful, I can't wait for Prodigy because, especially since the announcement that she was gonna be in it, I I am so excited for that. Well, buddy. That's it. Voyager 25 is kind of a wrap. We're going to continue into Voyager 26 next year just because we can. Yay. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that because there's still so much about Voyager that that we can celebrate as Voyager celebrates itself. I'm looking forward to to seeing some of those Voyager cast members and fans and hopefully as life continues to, to get closer to normal next year, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 been an incredible celebration all year long. The love that both you and I now have for Voyager is is right up there with the other Star Trek series. Um, we've had such a great time talking about all the different aspects of the show. I can't wait. We're going to see Captain Janeway again in the new animated series on Nickelodeon um, whenever that comes out. But uh, uh, that's going to be something in itself. And uh, there's just so many great things about Voyager out there now. I'm reading the autobiography of Catherine Janeway right now. It's just been a great year celebration, and I look forward to it continuing in 2021. Well, that's a great reminder that we can celebrate Star Trek pretty much every day and find a reason to do it. And that's kind of what we're all about. And I I look forward to it. You know, uh, what's the line? You know, uh, maybe it's not the destination. Maybe it's the journey that Harry has in Endgame. And I think it really is. So here's to the journey for all of us in 2021. Uh, Of course. We can't think about 2021 without talking about our friends at Five Year Mission. They have a fantastic podcast here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and we look forward to hearing more of that and maybe even some more Five Year Mission music. You never know. So head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Get all their CDs. Get them in your hands. Become a huge fan. Play those things on repeat. Learn all the songs because we guarantee you are going to love it, Dan. All of them. Year one, year two, year three, year four. Oh my God, Trouble with Tribbles, Spock's Brain, so much five-year mission music to listen to, and it's all awesome. Almost as awesome as the episode I recently watched, Bill. We just actually talked about this one. It's a special Voyager 2-parter. We talked oh, really? about it last Yeah, we talked about it last week with Jess when she joined us on See It or Skip It. Yeah. But you know, it's worth talking about again because it is just so damned good. You're going to love this one. The Voyager crew got brainwashed into taking new jobs on this industrialized planet that had a severe labor shortage. You know what I'm talking about. You know, they were stuck making drum sets and printing out music page after page after page. It just never ended. They loved it, though, because of that brainwashing. And only Chakotay, Kim, Neelix, and the doctor could save them. 
And that's the emergency command hologram doctor, that is. Fun, fun stuff. You know, Janeway finally falls in love with a real person for a change and not a hologram. It was just great. Whether it's part one or part two, they were both awesome and shows what lengths the society will go in order to save the music and their musical heroes that they love. It's work farks, and it is a must-see two-parter, Bill. What is wrong with you? Work farks? Work farks, part one and part two. Yes, James Reed from North and South star, uh, stars in that one. Plays Andy Fark, actually. That's his character in this. It's kind of funny. Hey, what? He doesn't play a guy named Fark? Uh, in this one, he does. Work farks. Come on, work with me. Work no. farks with me. I don't know. I <laughs> wish somebody could brainwash me into forgetting that this segment just happened. Oh, anyway. That's fi- fiveyearmission.net. Please, please ignore Dan's parkism. <laughs> Get their music. Seriously, we, we guarantee it. Of course, don't forget you too can be can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon, where you can get all kinds of exclusive perks. All kinds of fun perks. We got t-shirts. We got pins from our dear friends at Fansets. We're going to have video streams. We got all kinds of surprises uh, in store for 2021. Uh, so, so head on over and uh, and join. You're going to love it. But right now, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. And they are Dave Andrews, Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Brooke Horton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Mollenkoff, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Blake Strike, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Trey Womack, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. <laughs> That's Conrad Hutchins. <laughs> I was going to say, who? <laughs> <laughs> we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Leonel Marchand, some guy named Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky. What? <laughs> Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. You know, a minute ago I said just join and be part of all the fun, but I didn't say how to do that. It's so easy to become a producer on the Trek Geeks Network. Uh, just head over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Well, Dan, this is our last brand spanking new episode of 2020, but that doesn't mean... We're going to be absent from people's ear holes in the next few weeks. No, no. We're going to be spending time celebrating the holidays in our respective bubbles. But as we do at the end of every year, we got a little something special lined up for everybody. (laughs) Yeah, we do. And a lot of it. Uh, We know that this year uh, it might be hard to gather around a table with family and friends. uh, But maybe we have the next best thing. Go sit in your most comfortable chair. Pop in your earbuds, my friends, because for the next two weeks, we will be releasing our annual outtake specials. And then as a special bonus, in three weeks' time, it is the long-awaited and long-anticipated Trek Geeks Farkism Spectacular Part 1. It all starts next week on Trek Geeks, 
the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, there was one year we didn't do the outtake special and we heard about it. Yeah, we did. Um, it's become pretty much a tradition here on the Trek Geeks Podcast to do our annual outtake special. And they're so long, it takes two episodes to do it or else it would be one long six-hour episode. Oof. Yeah, and nobody wants that much of you and I talking about nothing. Ooh. No. And just think in three weeks, it's like just a lot of me rambling. Well, that's pretty much every episode of the Trek Geeks podcast. But uh, it's a nice way where we can still kind of have episodes available for you guys. And uh, the outtake specials are a lot of fun. And uh, the Farkism Spectacular Part (laughs) 1 is is going to be something very different. A lot of people have asked for that too. And we're excited to do that this first year. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's to say cringeworthy is Have, is going to be. Haven't people suffered enough in 2020? D- right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, that's, that's all I'm saying. Maybe that should be the album cover. <laughs> Haven't you suffered enough? <laughs> Please remember for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. We have we got a bunch of shows, and we're very proud of all of them. Their voices you're not going to hear anywhere else celebrating this fandom in ways that are really great. There's Rewind, there's Politrex, there's Five Year Mission, the podcast, there's Discovering Trek, and there's there's a whole bunch of shows. Plus now you can hear the brand new Deep Space Pride with Mike Thurlow and Johnson Lee, as well as Infinite Trek with Aaron Harvey and Brandy Jackala. You can find all of our podcasts, including where you can listen to them by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 243 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We wish you all the happiest of holidays, the merriest of Christmases, and the best of New Year's in 2021. Thank you for being a part of this all year long. We can't wait to do it again next year, buddy. Absolutely. Merry Coconut, everybody. Merry Coconut. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bing bong 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 bing bong. Why do I always have to go into into Griffin whenever we do songs? I can't watch Voyager. I if I have to skip the intro when I'm watching a Voyager episode on Netflix because I'll start doing that. So I rewatched Endgame obviously for today's episode. Yeah. And I'm watching the Voyager theme. I didn't click skip intro because I normally don't. (laughs) 
All I can think of is Chakotay's there. He mumbles stuff. Akuche Moya, sir. That was a that was a good moment in uh, Trek Geeks history. I think that, that was it was inspired. It really was. <laughs> I've wanted to do, and I haven't gotten around to it. I wanted, and I started writing it a Deep Space Nine version of the Fall Guy theme with Lee Majors. I have part of it written, and I just haven't had the time to actually, you know, do it. But I did find online the just the music part without the words sung by Lee Majors. So I've got the music available when I'm ready. Well, when you do it, we'll drop it as a Patreon exclusive. Absolutely. <laughs> That'll be pretty awesome. Yeah, because yeah. we don't want to worry about licensing. No, we don't want that problem on our shoulders. We got another no. problem. It's called Bill Smith. Hey. Hello. Hey. Wow. What happened there? Just around the holidays. I'm sorry. Let me let me erase that. Yeah. You didn't just really make a stupid sound effect, did you? That, that was pretty bad. That was, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I was that, just cooped up in a car for four hours. What can I say? Uh, I'd rather you were under a car for four hours, but <laughs> wow. that's just me. Merry Christmas. Hey, okay. wow. It makes me think of vacation when they tie the dog to the bumper. Poor little guy. <laughs> he probably kept up for a mile or so. <laughs> uh, wow. See, I, this time of year, I can only think of Christmas vacation. Yes. Because it, it, it is on a lot. It's on in in June now. Yeah, it is. That's true. Yep. They used, used to only be able to see it once a year. I was I was changing channels this past summer, and no lie, it was like the third week of June, and there was Christmas Vacation on one of the cable channels. I'm like, seriously? I watched right, it. Right now, a, our next door neighbor, they have Christmas decorations out in their yard, and one of them is an inflatable, one of those ones that just fills up and it's got air in it all the time, so they turn it on yeah. at night and it fills up, and it's lit. And it's Clark Griswold from the cover of the of the box, like of, with all the Christmas lights around, like he's getting electrocuted. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we got we got Christmas vacation everywhere, and they also have an inflatable Santa, which I also think is from Christmas Vacation. You know, at the beginning with the animation and Santa gets yeah. like run over by a big snowball, and he's all mm-hmm. in the snow. They've got one of those out there too. You have to take photos of these. I will. I got to see these. Okay. I um. Christmas Vacation has probably become one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. I love it. It was my mom's for quite a while. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's kind of funny in hindsight. She would forget she'd seen it every year. Oh, it's like my dad. Yeah, and so she would think, oh my God, that was so funny. I have to watch that next year. And it, it, my dad's the same way. And But my, the problem with my dad is he's a very loud uh, um, comedy watcher. <laughs> he yell, He bellows laughing and he slams his feet on the ground. He boom, 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 when he's is laughing. It anything like his son? Probably his son kind of does that too. Where I got it, yeah. No, and ah! I'm not talking. I'm not talking about your your older brother. No, I don't think you. Are. No, <laughs> no. Because you do the same thing watching baseball. Yeah. Um, Star Trek. Yeah, I do. It doesn't really matter. Doesn't. Doesn't. You matter. can tell me a joke in your cubicle at work, and the foot stomping happens. <laughs> it's just like yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did that on purpose. And anybody who had their bass turned up heard that. <laughs> I felt it. Because, you know, it's all about that base. Yeah, or the trouble. About that base. No, no trouble. No, it's not the trouble. No trouble. No, no Sorry trouble. About that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There'd be uh, no, where, where, no trouble at all. Where are we going with this? Well, triples aren't dangerous. They're not. No. We could do a song it's, like that. We save that for science division. Oh, that's true. Why doesn't five-year mission have a song called Tribbles Are Not Dangerous? Uh, that's a very good question. They could have done that on the, the Trouble with Tribbles EP. And I have a feeling that one of the band members might be listening right now. So, Only one, um, though. Yeah. yeah. What's up with that, dude? Well, 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 since you're writing songs, why don't you write it? 
well, because well, I've I've already gotten in trouble with them. No, 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 no. Yeah. Come on, come on, Burt Backrack. You Bur- write an original song. Oh my God, I cannot even believe you just said that. Okay, story time. Story time at the El Sleepo Cafe. Hold on, hold on. You have a story about Burt Backrack? I do. From today. Today. What? We would just we just drove to Maine to drop off gifts to my mother in law. And and uh, Rebecca and came back. So we were there. For, we drove for four hours. We were there for about fifteen minutes. And on the way back, we're passing. I'm I'm driving and I'm going around a truck. So I'm in the passing lane, like a pickup truck. And there's one of those racks on the back of it. Oh, and the God. name of it, the the name of it. This is Sue talking. This isn't me. It's not one of my dumb jokes. It's one of Sue's oh, which awesome, case is, I'm sure this is great. It's, it's Sue's awesome one. The name of the rack is called the back rack. So she goes, maybe they should name it Bert. You know. Bert back rack. That's actually pretty good. Ba boom boom. That's my wife, ladies and gentlemen. See, she if I had much, said it, it would have been stupid. No, no, she's much better at this than you are. <laughs> wow. That's what this means. Okay. You should have her make a farkism. She, I'm. <laughs> I don't think she's going to want to do that. Well, see, I know she will, not unless you get a few drinks I, in her. I want to make a farkism based on that picture that Fark had on Facebook this week of his hair all disheveled. <laughs> that was scary. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting ready to 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 drop shape him a Flowbee or something. <laughs> Flowbee. Oh my god, that's, that's hysterical. Oh. Yeah, because that can only help. I got my brother-in-law a pair of those um, um, steel like teeth things that you like do. Uh, you pull pork. You separate the pork after you use, cook, cooked it in the smoke it smoker. Mm, yeah. You could use one of those with like a big comb. I actually have a tip for that. So. Oh. Um, and we discovered this this year because uh, my wife saw it online. I think it was part of an Instagram story. So we do a lot of uh, chicken breast in, in their Instant Pot or whatever. There are recipes that call for you to take the chicken out when you're done and shred it and put it yes. back in. Yeah. So you take the chicken breasts out. You take a hand mixer. You put really? the chicken breasts in the bowl. You take a hand mixer on low. It will shred the chicken in a tenth of the time that it will take you with those Wolverine f- uh, claws or, f- or two forks. Well, I'm not returning we, them, but that's a cool idea. <laughs> we tried it, and it, it, it's, it works. That's awesome. I can't it's wait amazing. to start doing stuff in the Instant Pot. Speaking of the Instant Pot, do you remember the last time we recorded, we brought up the fact that I'd use the Instant Pot, and then we were talking about the egg bites, and how I said, oh, Casey, don't let Casey know, because he's going to send me 14 cases of eggs. Yeah. He didn't send me 14 cases of eggs. How many did he send you? He sent me the molds for yeah, the egg he, bites. He did that for us, too. <laughs> what a guy. Thanks, Casey. That was pretty awesome. So I'm making egg bites for uh, Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> it works amazing. I can't wait to try them. I got some sausage. Well, we do a casserole every year that we have once a year. Sue makes it, and it's awesome. But we're going to have egg bites, too. Sausage ones, bacon ones, vegetable ones. We, uh, we're we having dinner from the Copper Door. Oh, you're doing Copper Door again. Nice. Yeah, we're going to make Beef Wellingtons for New Year's Eve. Because we, nice. looked, we, we looked at the calendar and said, oh, um, Christmas is Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not ready to make Wellingtons. <laughs> <laughs> so let's give ourselves an extra week. There you go. I made Wellington mini Wellingtons a, a year and a half or so ago, and they came out pretty damn good. Yeah, we've we figured we, we're going to try something a little different because you know we're cooped up in the house. This is like the cooking show because um, when I was down in Florida with visiting my parents, um, my dad, my dad of all people who would never do this, was watching TV one night, and um, who's the guy that goes bam? The chef guy, Emerald Lagasse. Emerald Lagasse had a commercial for an air fryer, and Dad picked up the phone and ordered one. And I made a beef Wellington for my mother when I was down there in the air fryer, and it was un. 
real. I believe it. It was so good. So have you ever been to New Orleans? No, never been. So you should go once. And if slash when you go, you need to go to Emerald's restaurant in New Orleans, the original one. Okay. Because it's one of the best meals I've ever had. Really? And for dessert, you must, this is, somebody told me this and I, I said, okay, whatever. I took them at their word and I ordered it and it was, it changed my life. For dessert, you have to have his signature banana cream pie. I love banana cream pie. Uh, You will, you think you love banana cream pie. You will actually love banana cream pie in a way where you like want to take it out behind the middle school (laughs) afterwards. Maybe we can tell your mom that uh, we ate it all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, see, so that's that's a line from from I think from Thirty Rock. Um, we, I, th- I think my wife and I have seen season one and that's about oh, it, okay. but there's a line that something is so good. They want to take it up behind the middle school All and right. get it pregnant. Um, <laughs> and I think that's what Tracy Morgan is. So whenever, uh, there, one of us has something that is just unbelievable. It's, I want to take this up behind oh, middle okay. school. So. Mine was an American pie line, but that's okay. I knew that because it was oh, Eugene yeah. Levy. Exactly. He's yeah. hysterical, hysterical in that movie. Uh, he is hysterical period. He is. Yeah. He is. He's probably one of the great underrated character actors. I agree. In comedy of our time. Absolutely. And if you haven't seen Bleep's Creek. Haven't. Worth it. I know. You said it's like your second favorite comedy now or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Huh. Poop, poops Creek. I'm saying that because I don't know if Apple's going to flag us if we actually say the actual oh, name yeah. of it without. Even though it's spelled in this differently. So. It yeah. sounds that way. So. That's all right. I'm glad that you're looking out for the network, buddy. Thank you. And our listeners. There may be some people who, who don't like the name and I respect that. Oh, all right. So, okay. I don't like you, but I certainly... Uh, I understand I, that. I do respect you, I guess. I, I, I love you. You're my because, friend. Because you're bold enough to you make, be the jerk you are. You make things go. I hate you. You ready to do this? <laughs> yes, I am. And Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> you filthy animal. Do you know that that was, an actual, that was not an actual old-time movie? That part, that part of Home Alone, I did not know that until I watched the making of it on that show that you recommended to me. That yeah. they made that look like an old movie just did, for that. Did you watch that special? I did. That it was amazing, one. I wasn't it? I watched the other ones, but I watched that one. It was awesome. It was amazing to yeah. think that they built that entire house in an old yeah. school gymnasium. Yeah. Yep. It was awesome. It was fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for recommending it. No jerk. problem.